What is up, everybody? Welcome to episode 236 of the Pesky Report. My name is Brandon Brewer, and joining me on today's episode, we have the lead social media specialist for Sox Prospects and a credentialed member of the Woo Sox media team, Ed Hand. Ed, what's up, bud? How are you today? Dude, guess what I'm doing on Tuesday? Probably going to a Woo Sox game. Going to a guess who's pitching Tuesday for the Woo Sox? Uh, I'm not sure who so pa- Paxton pitched today. Whitlock pitched this week. We got Bray and Bayo on the mound on Tuesday. So I'm wow. stoked to see that Bayo day for, for Ed hand on Tuesday. That's pretty awesome. You, you're seeing all of us. Yeah. You're seeing all of them. And it's good that he's making those rehab starts because he'll be up in Boston and probably another, like what, another week or so. Something uh, like we that, all, yeah. we also know Whitlock will be coming to the rotation very soon um so that's that's also really good news for the red sox also joining on the episode today um the voice of the voiceless the heartthrob of tender and the genetic jackhammer hogdale what's (laughs) up man we missed you last week when you blew us off for a hot tender date so we're happy that you're actually here with us today and made time for peons like us it blew you off. You know how fucking sad I was after last week being missing that episode, dude. Dude, I, yeah, was I feel like that. You know, I have, I get that post orgasm regret also. <laughs> I was in a literally depressive episode. I was happy I was able to at least cover it on Wednesday and make an appearance because you know, I just I love talking some socks, especially with you guys. Oh yeah, you, you, you did get to join the, the Wednesday show where you guys talked about getting swept by the pirates and uh uh Massa's home run ball getting held captive by a, a ruthless family from New Jersey. But now you're on with the Sunday crew where we get to talk about the Red Sox sweeping a team. See see the difference in the dynamic here? Sunday crew gets to talk about the good things that happen. Uh, but we do, need to, we do need to start off talking about some not-so-good news because in, in the celebration and, and the uh, – aftermath of the game we are finding out more about the adam duvall situation and it's not looking good ed you want to let us and our listeners know what you're hearing and what you think might be uh coming down so if you missed the game on sunday adam duvall went in for a dive to make a spectacular play in center field actually had his glove around it but his wrist got kind of locked with the ground and pulled back at a weird angle, and it kind of caused the ball to slip out. And it ended up being fine, but it was sort of like an insult to injury because not only did he get hurt, but he got hurt making he, he he didn't even make the play he was trying to make. Um, so that's sort of what happened there. I've I've been asking around a little bit. Um, all I've really heard is that they know what the issue is and it's not good. So what does not good mean? I don't know. Um, that could mean that he's out. I think it sounds like he's going to miss some time, whether that's two weeks and, and it's just like a hyperextension, whether it's two months and it's a sprain, whether, you know, like this, his wrist was operated on last uh, July and it caused him to miss the rest of the season. So stuff where you, you can't really look at this the way that you look at a normal injury, like, oh, well, if it's this, then it's four months. It, it, everything's complicated by the surgery. So we just... We just don't know. I think that if it was like a fracture or something like that, they did x-rays in the clubhouse. So, you know, like if if it was a fracture, I feel like they probably would have told us. But 
we just don't know and we'll have a better idea tomorrow. Um, but what I'm hearing is at the very least, he's probably going to miss some time. And with that being said, I am seeing that multiple sources on Twitter are reporting that Bobby Dahlbeck will be joining the Boston Red Sox in Tampa. Starting shortstop. With, with uh, the, the likely news coming that Duvall will be on the IL shortly. Yeah, I've heard uh, that as well. Not good. So, you know, going forward, obviously Dahlbeck can't play center field. So are, were you saying shortstop as kind of in jest, or are you you actually saying that you think that Dahlbeck will play shortstop and they'll move Kike to center field? Um, I think that Dahlbeck will play shortstop. I, I don't think that there's any universe where Bobby Dahlbeck should be the starting shortstop. Um, but I think he'll probably get a little bit of time there. I mean, they've been playing like, you know, they might want Kike to go into center for a day or even when they just need Kike to get a day off, they might play him there. Um, I don't think he's going to be seeing substantial time at second. I think that, you know, you just lost your best right-handed power bat. So you kind of got to bring up another right-handed power bat to fill that in. I think it makes, you know, what's kind of interesting is that people are already talking about how they have to move Kike back to center because he's made some errors at shortstop. And it's like, I have a heart. Like, yeah, I know he's made some errors, but it's a nine-game sample size. Give him some, don't, don't do the panic move. If your plan is Kike at shortstop, stick with Kike at shortstop, especially when you have a guy, you have two guys that, might not be the greatest at it, but you can platoon Tapia and Rest Snyder and put them in center and it'll be passable. Um, I don't feel great about Bobby or Yu Chang getting regular time at, uh, at at shortstop. So it's sort of like, what would you rather have Tapia as your main, as, as your bat and you have him in center? Or do you want to have like Bobby or Chang in the lineup? And I think it's pretty easy to put Tapia over those guys at least right now. For sure, yeah, and especially if we're going to get any kind of a glimpse of a spring training Tapia. And going back to Florida, maybe he'll get back into that Florida swing of things. Did you see that home run he hit the other day? Yeah, he crushed it, but it's also off a position player. So let's let's not get too excited about it just yet. Right, he got the crap out of it. That's all I'm saying. I I think I could have crushed that pitch. So, uh, Hogdale, what what do you think? Uh, it's not great. It's really not, not very good at all. Uh, and and I, I know it's like, it's early with Kike at shortstop right now and it's give him time to adjust. But at the same time, like you couldn't just sign Elvis Andrews in the off season and just put Kike in center field to begin with. What? Or just at least sign Elvis Andrews to have like, you know, depth and just move Kike around and give like options Be- because I just, I, it's just so frustrating. It seems like they're so thin on uh, up the middle uh, defense between like second base and shortstop because obviously you don't want to put Christian Arroyo in regularly at shortstop. You don't want to put Yu Chang regularly in at shortstop. It's 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 just not it. And yeah, Bobby Dahlbeck at short, like oh no, no, no. <laughs> Right, but you're not putting them at shortstop. That's the thing. You have Tapia in center. Kike stays at shortstop, and you know that's sort of what you got. But he hasn't been. He comes back. But he hasn't been good enough at shortstop. I mean, he needs to improve vastly soon in order for that to be fine enough. Especially, you know, again, like he was a Gold Glove, bona fide, close to platinum glove center fielder. Like he's that talented out there. You're moving him into a position where, like in the past, he's played very well. But I don't know, maybe like has some agent caught up to him in terms of reaction time in the infield 
is one of those things where it's just like, is he just a main kind of outfield guy now? It's concerning, yeah, I, and I, I don't, I don't feel great about it. I, I just really. The thing is, though, this team is like, I just think they need to stay afloat until like the midpoint of the season. And I think they can really make a good run just from a getting healthy and just like getting story back is going to make the entire difference of the entire universe, dude. It's getting him back is going to be so massive. Just stay, yeah. just tread water. It's going to be difficult. Grind out wins, but you've got to tread water. That's a good point. If, if Duvall is going to miss significant time. Story can't come back soon enough because we do yeah. need that that right-handed bat in the lineup. And then if if maybe Duvall only misses a couple of months and you get both of those bats back around the same time, then we can really cook. But until then, it, it is going to be a lot of 500 ball, I think. I would like to remind you guys that, yes, Adam Duvall is, you know, as of this moment, in, in the middle of an absolute tear. He's not, not that the entire year. The ball. He's not going to hit 400 with 80 no. home runs and 250 RBIs for the season. Other guys are going to have to ste- step up at some point. Um, what he's done right now has been fantastic. Uh, it's obvious like he's very clearly a good hitter. Having him out of the lineup and putting in a different bat is not going to be good. He's the first guy in uh, Major League Baseball to reach like the 1.0 or more position or whatever with that. Um, but... He's a streaky player guy. At some point, he was going to get cold. And somebody else in the lineup, maybe Kike Hernandez, who is another streaky player. Maybe Yoshida figures things out. Maybe Turner gets a little more pop in the bat. Someone's going to have to step up, though, and, and put in that um, that outlook. I'm not that concerned about the lineup because none of it matters if there's no pitching. And like the, the pitching reinforcements are on the way. And like, like I said, I don't think it's doomsday. I think I just like, it's, it takes a hit to their, their lineup depth and it's putting more pressure on guys that we were already putting a lot of pressure on to begin with the season to you know, produce. Uh, obviously like Rafi, obviously he's up to the task. I believe in him. Uh, Yoshida, obviously we expect a lot of things from him. Uh, Justin Turner, you know, all we expected him for really was to be better than last year's J.D. Martinez. But at this point, we need him to be a little bit better than that even. And uh, again, uh, Tristan Cassis, rookie, like this is not a rookie, but, you know, very young guy, a dude that we, the pressure amped up even more because we need him to produce, live up to his talent level. It's just, it's more pressure and it it hits your depth. It's not doomsday at all. It just makes things, you know, a bit more difficult. Yeah, other guys will have to accumulate or will have to step into it. It's a veteran presence that's gotten off to a hot start. And yeah, no, you're right. It's not doomsday. There's no argument that it's not good now. Yeah, and, I mean, the, like, and again, there's no argument that it's a good thing that he got hurt there. Yeah. That's the word and, that I'm and looking the, for. Like I said before, the reinforcements pitching wise are on the way very, very soon. Like Whitlock's going to be back within a couple days. Bayo will be like soon to follow after that. And same with Paxton. Like getting those three back. Like it's what I said before the season. Like I just think that pitching wise, this team has a lot of really good quality, good depth. And as we've seen with the bullpen, as we all said, it was going to be the bullpen looks lights out. So they still have methods of winning games. It's just that, yeah, it just makes it a bit harder. Yeah. Uh, you guys touched on some really good points there. And one of the things that Hogdale, you just mentioned was the, the reinforcements coming. And that is going to also bring up another discussion as to what do we do as far as 
making room for these guys back on the uh, the active 26-man roster. And I know a lot of people have been floating around ideas. Of course, the low-hanging fruit is Ort and Brazier. Uh, Brazier's the objectively what, correct answer. <laughs> that's, those, those two are, are kind of the ones that everybody keeps mentioning. But, Ed, you, you proposed a, a pretty interesting idea in a tweet that you would uh, – move cutter crawford down to uh, AAA. i know and then he absolutely and he shoved killed it today, today. <laughs> he absolutely shoved today um but yeah no at the time with that tweet just with trying to kind of look at the roster and where everything's at brazier doesn't have options or does have options so you if you send or down you can do that with no consequences like whatever to send brazier down you have to dfa him he might not want to go to AAA, and then you know, like, then what was the point of giving him the $2 million and holding on to that roster spot? Um, so my my thought would be that for Bayo and Whitlock, you send Crawford down, keep him stretched out as a starter, um, and then you also bring Ork down, and then you have move, um, you move Hauk back to the and You have, like, a, you kind of have a super pen if you put Hauk in it, which is pretty cool, at least with how yes. the relievers have performed so far that obviously doesn't mean that they're, they're going to for the whole season but um i have no problem with the pen whatsoever even even brazier uh because but we can get into that when we get to the trust in here portion um that being said like yeah some people are gonna have to go to get your arguably your best two starters in the rotation and it's gonna have to come out of your pitching so you're gonna have to you're gonna have to cut some guys you know Hogdale, what's what's the move? Be the voice of the voiceless. What is the move here? The move is it's hey, hi, I'm, and this is every major league GM. It's okay to admit you made a mistake and you put your money like on the wrong guy and like just just DFA Brazier. Oh wow, we might lose him for nothing. Okay, so <laughs> addition by subtraction. What Ord has shown in his recent outings is like okay, he can more than fulfill like that uh that Brazier role of like the low average low leverage innings guy. I'd way rather him. He has way more potential to begin with. And like the idea of like setting Cutter down, like yeah, I could definitely get behind that because he has the options. But like if you're sending him, him down in favor of keeping Ryan Brazier, Ryan Brazier on the roster, no, <laughs> no, he's not. Guys, we have eyeballs. I implore you, Red Sox management staff, trust the vision that your eyes are seeing. I implore you, just get rid of him. There's better options. There are simply better options. My God, just stop. The fascination, dude. Stop. Hogdale sounds eerily similar to me from last season when I was calling him DFAsier for half yes. a year. <laughs> so it... it I agree. I I think the the lowest of the low hanging fruit is obviously Brazier. Um, whenever I saw your tweet suggesting Cutter Crawford, my first inclination was to say I would rather him be shifted to be a, an in long relief type role instead of bringing him down because I prefer him on the on the twenty six man big league roster. If he's not going to be a starter, have him ready to go. If a starter get shelled early and we need somebody to come in and eat up three or four or five innings. Off yeah. The I don't think that that's a terrible take either. The thing is like Josh Winkowski being really, really basically being like 2020, 2021 Garrett Whitlock so far kind of throws a Literally. wrench in that because he was there initially. We're like, okay, well there's, 
your long guy. But something that I hated with Whitlock was that he was both, especially last year, he was both like the stopper, but he was also like the long reliever. And we saw today using Winkowski in the seventh inning, you know, that worked pretty well. So maybe you just use him as a leverage guy and you use uh, Crawford in that role. That's another leverage guy you have. Um, so I don't hate that, especially, you know, Crawford looked a bit better today. Um, but you also don't want him to, you know, like you have him stretched out as a starter. You move him to like a long roll. Well, then he's a long man. Then he's like used to getting three innings. What happens if someone else gets hurt? You need to figure something else out then. So it's like I can see either side of it. I just like think that at least for now, I would rather see just him starting. And, you know, especially after today, he looked really good against a really crappy team, but he still looked really good. Um, I would just rather him continue having the starters mentality and not like, you know, being the long man that comes in when the team's up like 10-1 or if uh, they, the guy goes down early. But, you know, it's not a bad problem to have that he's picked that, you know, you have these options. It's a that, bad problem that is very Rangers on the it, roster. That's it. Everything else is great. <laughs> Everything else is a great problem, but you, you're foregoing better talent for Ryan Brazier. Stop. You don't need to. Stop. <laughs> Can I go into my weird, like, defensive of Ryan Brazier right now? Because it's not, I'm not actually defending him that much. It's, um, I just want to point out that three of the runs that he gave up were in a game where, like, the lead was 14 to 2, and they probably just wanted him to throw strikes, so that's what he did. And prior to that, he had had three scoreless innings. I'm not saying that he's been anything resembling good. He's walked, his whole appeal, at least to me, before was like, oh, well, he doesn't walk anybody. And he's like, walk three guys and hit two batters, so that's not good. Yeah, but but my you kind of do need the guy to throw that can just, you know, like, e- innings eater, you know? Like, we're just wasting innings here. We don't care if he gets hurt. Whatever. That's Ryan Brazier. He's your sacrificial lamb. So but I think they, every bullpen needs a sacrificial lamb. But they don't use him like that. They, even this year, they haven't used him like that. Yeah, they, they used ever, him like that the other day. They, Cora, had, they, had, they did use him in the eighth inning of that 6-3 game, which was interesting. Guys, it's happened like multiple times this season where Cora, Cora brings Brazier in in a game that's three runs or less. No, he can't help himself. I've said that he cannot help himself. Can't stop giving him the option to help himself. Get, get he him off. himself though. He Into the cannon. Himself. He was a score. He threw a scoreless eighth inning against the Tigers, who appear to be a Triple A team. Oh my God! And, and he pitched two scoreless so... innings before that. That's right. National Regional Pariah. Ryan Brazier retired six consecutive back. I have two seasons of prior evidence to suggest he's going to be shit again. <laughs> sir, sir, I will have you know that we are, in a, we are in a constant cycle of change. That man is dead. It is a new Ryan Brazier. It's a new one. He's a new man. He's born again. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm just, I just, I just, every time I've, like, I talk about Ryan Brazier, I feel like I go slightly, like, more insane. Like, I, I don't see it. I don't see what they see in him. Please show me your internal numbers so I can understand. Oh, I don't I'm have begging any. you. <laughs> I don't have any. I have no, no real defense of him. Other I need Haim to I come on the pod. It's team. like, hey, man, here's here's yeah. our numbers. This is why Brazier is yeah. actually really good. But like until I, then, like it's just I, I can't. Yeah. I just cannot I with this guy. I, listen, I just don't mind him eating meaningless innings. I don't care. Like, but he doesn't not... do that, Ed. No, I and he doesn't do that. Listen, like, Ogden, Ogden, like, Ogden, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that being the last pitcher on the roster – I'm not talking about Alex Cora's use of Ryan Brazier in the in the bullpen. There is no situation that Ryan Brazier should be coming in, like when there's no. a hold or when they don't have like a six-run lead does. or something. He does all the time. It's so why sad. do you think he does? No, seriously though. Like if like like joking aside, why is Ryan Brazier 
coming into a like a six three eighth inning situation. Because you had to actually like answer that. Why it's Alex. It's Alex Cora's best and worst feature as a manager. He loves his guys. When he decides you are his guy, he will ride or die with you. In this case, one of his guys just happens to be by far the worst option on this current Red Sox bullpen. Like, this is who he's hitched his wagon to. Help him help himself. Do not let him make the choice. Bye! To be fair, Off to space. I, I, I do completely agree with you on this with <laughs> Frazier. Like, as much as I'm like, oh, well, he can pitch me to the settings, like... Yeah, he can do that, but there are other he can. can do that. Okay. That being said, do you remember a couple weeks ago with like Caleb Ort that everybody was like fire warning to the sun, put Alfaro on the on the roster, all that stuff? I don't think I mean I don't think Ort's been great, but he hasn't Better blocked anybody. He's been fine. So maybe there is something to the loyalty. That's all he's I'm not saying. a See, he's not fireballing like how we thought he would, uh, which is a bit weird. Maybe he's just more focused on throwing strikes, which is fine. Maybe he'll work yeah. out for that eventually. But yeah, yeah everyone's like talking about the 101 in the tank, and it's like, hey, it's, I mean, he's sitting a, an effortless 95 96, which isn't that bad. But like, yeah, I, I, I'm on the give give Ort more chances train. He's got this like the the potential, uh, but it's, it's just just stop. But Brazier gets me nuts. Just stop with Ryan Brazier. Just stop. <laughs> yeah, like he's if they used him like he should be used in worthless uh, innings that we just need to throw some guy out there. They yeah, might be an amazing member of this staff, pitching staff, this bullpen. But they just, I I, I love Alex Cora to death. Like I, I he cannot help himself. He can't. He, uh, Ryan Brazier is like the heroin that fucking Alex Cora is addicted to. It's so sad. <laughs> He can't kick it, no matter what you do. Like, no matter how many stints in rehab, he cannot kick the Ryan Brazier heroin. So, I have a theory. And it, it it's basically derived from Hogdale's brain right now. Because what he's saying <laughs> kind of made me, made the wheels start to turn. And him going out there in that 15-2 to game and just grooving strikes to give up those three runs bumped his season ERA up to a nine. So what that's going to ultimately do is allow the Red Sox to DFA him and he will clear waivers and remain in the organization so that whenever there is an eventual injury, Cora can bring Brazier back up to the big club and put him into meaningful spots. Let's Galaxy go. Braining. Neuron activation. <laughs> oh my God. So it's all a ploy by Cora to keep Brazier in the system. (laughs) That's next level. I don't think that it's about keeping Brazier in the system. I think it's about torturing Hogdale. It is. I really think ever since, like I said, I'd fly down to Boston to beat Alex Cora up. Like, fucking, he's didn't doing this despite me personally. It's like I heard what you said, Hogdale. Oh, God. (sighs) Well, we do have some good news to discuss on this episode as well. And that is the fact that the Boston Red Sox have swept their first team of 2023 and won their second series in 2023. And that was at the, I, I guess what is at the hands of no, I at the, we beat the Tigers. I can't think of the words <laughs> that I need to pause. At yeah. the pause, yeah, yeah, we, we beat the pause off of the Mittens. Tigers. How about that? Um, so yeah, game one, 
was sale day. Chris Sale got his first dub of the season uh, and went out there. Chris Sale looked good, right? Weird game. Weird, Weird game. He threw eight straight balls to start the game. Um, not not feel like. Didn't give up any runs after that, but then he gave up a two-run homer to like their catcher, Jake Rogers. I forget. Is he the backup or the starter this year? I mean, they're the Tigers. I think that's interchangeable. <laughs> that's fair. Well, they had Tiger Barnhart a year ago. He's like a real catcher, at least. Um, it's like they yeah. play real baseball players. That's crazy. <laughs> Got a couple. No, I mean Riley Green. I don't. I, I'm not going to try. I, I feel like I've already done my 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 bit to support the little guys here with Brazier. I don't need to do that with the Tigers. You've hit now. the quota. Yeah, you've met your yeah. quota. You can yeah. just bully everyone with me too. Uh, Hogdale, I wish I was as good of a bully as you. You're such a good bully. I'm like I end up being like friends with all the people I try to bully. Man, look at that mustache. That is a oh, legend. That's a good mustache. Hogdale, would you yeah. ever grow a mustache like that? Yeah. It's like a handlebar mustache. If you're listening to this. <laughs> No, no. I, I prefer the clean shave and look myself. Helps me shine my best feature, which is my chin. I think. I mean, that's not your best feature, but there are children listening to this, so I'm not. <laughs> True. Oh man! Wow, what what a stud Jake Rogers is, though. We we've pulled up the pictures and we're looking at this guy, and he he's just a phenomenal specimen. Almost Hogdale-esque, but not not quite on that level. But uh, so let's get back to talking about this this game one. Sale went out there, had a weird outing. Uh, Sale currently has an eleven point two five ERA on the season. Not great for your ace, but he did get the dub, so that's what at least his, a positive. Um, what are his strikeout numbers like right now? Like, what's his strikeout standings pitched or whatever? Is K per nine? There we go. You know, let's see. Hogfield's he got has advanced, 13 strikeouts. Metrics. How much in how many innings? Yeah, he's got 13, 13, 13 strikeouts in eight innings pitched. That's not so, bad. That's more than one per inning. I, yeah, yeah, he's he's closing in on that two per inning mark, which isn't so bad. He's got a yeah, two looked, whip. Two point oh whip. That's but he was so bad that first start. It was like he either struck yeah. the guy out or like they hit a home run off and it was I wonder, I feel like the pitching coach was just kind of like, yeah, just throw strikes, guys, and we'll take it from there. And they threw just meatballs right down the middle, and everyone demolished them because it seemed like the first go-around for the rotation that happened. It probably is a good thing that Eck left the booth because he literally be, we, would be bullying every single one of these pitchers. Like, <laughs> they're in this, like, first week. This, it's like, look at this salad right across the middle of the plate. <laughs> oh, my God. Everyone would be David Price. What a tragedy. But uh, we also, in this game, we saw Devers get his second homer of the the season in the fourth inning off of uh, Tigers starter Turnbill. And Duvall got his third home run of the season in the sixth inning of this game. Two guys that were absolutely electric during this series, Duvall and Devers. They pretty much carried the offense. Yep, grand slam for De- two home runs for Devers, a grand slam. Duval had like what, like two more doubles and another home run. They were both at four home runs going into today, right? Yeah, yes. into today. Uh, yeah, Rafi hit three home runs in the series. Well, yeah, Duval. I think all did you? No, Duval only hit two. I think did he hit two or three? Only, only two. But only he, two. Yeah. yeah, 
I think I think he hit two homers and he had like three or four doubles in the yeah. series. So he he's been an he's been an extra base hit machine. Fourteen RBIs for the season. Oof. Dude, when you look at uh at Raffy, like the two home runs he hit, it's just so hilarious. Like when you look at like the pitch location of both of them, like one's like near the ground, like outside the box, and then the other one's uh, just up and in, and he just hammers yeah, both it's- of them. It's so funny that he's he's so known for hit like basically hitting golf shots that end up home runs. But then we see the video of him at Top Golf and he can't hit a ball that's sitting on a tee. Come I mean, on, I can't either. <laughs> yeah, but you also can't hit ninety-five mile per hour fastballs with movement that, right? down on the you, ground. You don't, you don't <laughs> that's that. true. That's true. I, I I'm speculating. Sorry. <laughs> of course. <laughs> I do too. I'm glad that he's with the Red Sox for the next 11 years or whatever it is. And uh, we get to watch him grow up. How did you guys like the bullpen? Absolutely. Just shutting things down on uh, in that sale start. Yeah. So sale sale went five innings and then the rest of the game was uh, a, a new pitcher. Every single inning, each getting one inning of relief and everybody came in and did their job. Um, Schreiber came in, no hits, one walk, one strikeout. Martin came in, one hit, nothing else. Brazier came in. He had a, a hit, a walk, and a strikeout, but he got out of it without giving up a run, <laughs> which, it, which it, it's saying something. And then Jansen came in and closed the door and got his first save of the season. So the bullpen, it's constructed well. It looks good, and – it's they're, they're all performing at a pretty high level at this point. The bullpen already is like really good. And like Hulk isn't even in it yet. Yeah. Like it's kind of crazy. And like, if they want to keep Hulk as a starter and like throw Paxton in there instead. Okay. What a great problem to have. Like <laughs> This bullpen is it's everything we, we said it was going to be. And after the, atrocity that was last year's bullpen it's a very very warm welcome (laughs) yeah i was thinking that after today's game which we'll get to but i think that last year the way things were with the pen they probably red sox probably would have lost two out of three they could not hold down a lead to save their life no they they did that twice in this series they blew 27 saves like 27 that's a lot of saves to blow (laughs) it's a lot I mean, that's the difference between missing the playoffs and being yeah. a playoff contending team, for sure. You could go to a save glory hole and not blow that many saves. <laughs> <laughs> and they say I'm the class one in this show. They say right, I'm the I, do it, I do it without swear words. None of those are swear words, Hawkdale. Those wouldn't get censored out. I oh man, I I just want a clip of Ed saying that now. That that's fantastic. That would um, not make you're saying that, but that would not make it on network television, Edward. <laughs> yeah, but am I on network television? I'm like barely on. Twi- I'm on Twitter. I'm, people hate me. I'm like, not. Whatever. I'm not on network television either. But everyone shits on me. It's a tragedy. <laughs> I can't use my colorful vocabulary without catching strays. Well, now that's just because it's become funny now. Oh man. I'm such a potty mouth, dude. It's such a tragedy. It's weird because I mean, you're that's... also like objectively the nicest person on like on any of the show episodes. Like you are by far the nicest guy. Yeah, it's what, like I'm a... also. What's, it's what's funny. funny. What's, what's funny is like 
what like Hogdale does take a lot of flack for for his vocabulary and his um his profanities. But then like when somebody calls him out on Twitter for a take that he has or whatever, like Hogdale has the most like well-worded responses back and it's like like so respectful and just like you said objectively nice guy. That's and, because uh, that's because I hate the stigma that like oh if you use a lot of swear words it means uh it's a sign of low intelligence. I despise that stigma. Like I I hate it. Like I'm sorry. Like it's just they're they're v- vocabulary enhancers. And me on Twitter versus me on this podcast is like the meme where it's like SpongeBob where he's like rounded and like you know happy. He's like, hey, it's nice to meet you. And me on this podcast is like SpongeBob as a caveman. It's literally <laughs> <laughs> like I like when people engage on Twitter because I like a heart a hearty discussion. I don't like uh, angry shouting, which is annoying because that's what half Twitter is. Half man, let's not let's not kid ourselves. <laughs> yeah, I like I like respectful discussion. It's nice. <laughs> yeah, when when you can agree to disagree, it is nice. Uh, let's move on to game two, which was Saturday, and this was an absolute shellacking by the Red Sox offense. Uh, like we said, it should have ended probably fourteen to two, but Alex Cora's master plan to have Brazier give up a couple extra runs there in the end so that they could retain him after DFA and, and move him down to Worcester made it a 14 to five final score. This is the game where we were talking about where Rafi Devers had two home runs. One of those being a grand slam Duvall also had a home run in this game and the Red Sox bats just, this is what we saw at the beginning of the season when they were averaging nine runs per game. This was the offense that that showed up in this game. And it's, it's so much fun when the Red Sox are scoring this many runs. There was a point early on in that game when it was like the Red Sox had the bases loaded in two outs and Connor Wong's coming up. And all I'm thinking to myself is like, just please don't like, don't ground out or something. Don't strike out. And he walks. And I'm like, okay, well, they got something, but that's like a gimme, whatever. And then Rob Refsnyder walks. So they've gotten two walks with the bases loaded and Rafi Devers hits a pitch that looked like it was about a foot outside, like over the left field fence. So it's six, nothing. It's like, Oh, okay. So there, Oh wait, no, Tanner Houck's pitching this one. Let's see what happens when we get to the fourth inning. Um, and you know, how to his credit, he only gave up two runs in the fourth inning. Um, <laughs> you all hit another home run before that. No, I'm sorry. Like as how, it's so as how if, you take, if you could just take him out for the fourth inning and put him back into the fifth, his ERA would be zero. Like it's something about the fourth inning. Like you know, in all two of his small sample size starts, he's gotten to hit before. But um, oh, this this no, dates back good. to like the last two years too. It's just he cannot pitch in the fourth inning. No, he can't. He can't. But the highlight for me was they bring in like their. Um, their like position player to pitch the ninth and uh Rymel Tapia comes in off the bench lighting Rymel Tapia throws a ball like 425 yeah. feet off them. And it was just like, oh that's the that's the chef kiss. That's the cherry on top. Thank you, Rymel. Very cool. Yeah, I mean wait way to way to just pad the stats. I mean why not it's pretty pretty nice to see, and it gets people excited about Tapia, especially now that we know we're going to most likely be seeing him playing a lot more. It's good that he got that that first one out of the way. He's get that swing going again, and and hopefully that'll continue on into the trop. Mm-hmm. The other thing that was cool with that game too was Zach Kelly throwing two uh, scoreless yeah. innings, no hit innings. Um, he's been great. 
And Caleb Ork coming in, and, you know, he struck out three, let a couple of batters on, but he still struck out three guys, threw strikes. You know, like, they're big league relievers. They're not going to – not every relief pitcher is going to be like a closer, but you need guys that can go in and, you know, just keep teams from coming back, keep the game moving along, and that's what both of them did. I just realized, like, again, like that's another thing that makes Ryan Brazier redundant. Like, Zach Kelly can do that job just fine and way better than he can. Like, come on, man. I mean, I, I think that's that a little higher in the food chain, but I know what you're saying. Sorry, I like I, I like my boy Zach. That's all I'm saying. The the the, uh, the Zach Kelly agenda is strong on the Pesky Report <laughs> podcast, and I, I am here for it. I mean, we all like we all like Zach Kelly. We all not so that's our dude, like Ryan Brazier. Yeah. So it, it checks out. Perhaps um, we would like Brazier more if he came on. That's all I'm saying too. If he said Hogdale, look, I'm sorry. If no. if he list ever listened to an episode of the Pesky Report, there's no way that he would ever come Dude, on. I would show. want I would want Ryan Brazier to come on and bully me like Ryan Lavarnway did when he came on. That was amazing. <laughs> Are you just like into like the the S part of S and M? Like is that no. <laughs> no, I like it when fucking people like uh, like go after someone like when they disagree with their takes because like I don't want to go are, after you you're nice well people are scared to like get into like arguments arguments are a good thing <laughs> you know Maybe. like I, I wish more people were brave like you Hunter. yeah arguments are a good thing uh you know when it degenerates into like name calling and like no actual points being made then it's a bad thing but arguments in the first place are not a bad thing they're a good thing they're, they're how you get smarter <laughs> So any any other points you guys want to bring up about that Saturday game before we move into today's game? Uh Raphael Devers is gonna be an MVP candidate. Like by I'm feeling so good about that prediction this year. Uh she injury three walks, and I like that. Yeah, he's seeing the ball. How do you dance out of the way of pitches trying to hit him in the ankles, but they never hit him? He's seeing the ball so well. Magic magic Massa. That double he um, hit the other day was nice to see too. Okay, I'm done. 100%. I, I, I'm excited to see him start to get that power stroke some more too. You know, it's it's coming. You can tell like when guys are seeing the ball that well that they're walking that much, the power is going to start coming because they're going to start getting better pitches. Yeah. He's they know, they, a- oh, if, if, if a guy's getting walked a lot, pitchers are going to pick up on that and realize they have to throw him pitches that he can hit because he's not going to swing at the crap. And that's whenever the power numbers are going to start to go up. Yeah. He's been ground. I think he, I don't know what was going on before. It seemed like he was grounding a lot of things to like first base and second base, but I, you know, there's going to be a little bit of a learning curve. It's his first time playing basic American pitching. Like I don't expect him to, you know, I think a lot of people saw him in the world baseball classic and were like, well, MVP candidate coming in. And it's like, yeah, might take a little, most guys are an each row, you know? Yeah, that's true. That's true. Each row is one of a kind for sure. Uh, Sunday's game was the closest of the three games in terms of score and uh, just competitiveness, really. And it was it was uh, pretty much a pitcher's duel for a lot of this game. And Cutter Crawford went out there and, in my opinion, won that duel. He he looked great, and that it made your take, Ed, almost almost be like one of those cold takes exposed moments. But I mean, I still, I still, I see where you're coming from, but Crawford looks good. And I think he, at least with this start earned another start at the big league level. 
it, it's tough, but yeah, I would honestly, we know how is going to be in the pen. I would rather just move him now and let Crawford get another one. But if you're going from one versus the other, if you're picking who gets the next start just based off of one start, it's got to be Crawford because he did it and he did it without having like this giant lead. And also that first run that he gave up really shouldn't have been earned. Um, he pitched into some, there were like two straight, like he had to get five outs on that first inning and it didn't matter. Um, he just looked, he looked good. And you know, like the, the, the Tigers suck. Like, Maybe they'll get better, but right now the Tigers are... I was thinking about this, like, is it that the Pirates were that good of a team or the Tigers were that bad? I think the Pirates aren't a bad team. I mean, maybe a little not as good without O'Neill Cruz, but, like, their pitching was legitimately good. You watch Mitch Keller pitch and you watch uh, Rosie Contreras pitch, and you're like, okay, these are big league starters. The Tigers, like, even Matt Boyd, who's had some success, didn't look great. We've already established that the reason that the the tiger or the the pirates swept the Red Sox was because Hogdale blew us off on the Sunday episode. Okay, we okay. had the bad we had the bad karma. The bad Hogdale is a lawyer man, a loyal man, and he is a lover, and he's gotta you know he's gotta do what he's gotta do. You know, like I get it, I get it, Hogdale. I don't hold it against you. Some people I, call him the space cowboy. <laughs> Shut the. I love Some you guys. people call it Hogdale. Yes, of course. I gotta say though, like uh, I, I mentioned this Wednesday on that episode, is that like the, the Detroit Tigers really are the cautionary tale of the uh, the tear it down rebuild. Because what happens when you tear it down, rebuild, and then like after four years, none of your prospects develop. <laughs> Uh, well, you also make some really interesting sightings, like on Javier Baez, that um, and Eduardo Rodriguez. That why did they do that? It's like, great. yeah, these are the guys we're going to spend the money on. Like, what are you talking about? That's the the, the biggest W of Heim Bloom's career is not giving Eddie that contract. It's like, people, like, hey, you, you can leave. <laughs> I will say with Baez, his defense was really good today. Like. <laughs> He's a, he's a very good defensive shortstop, but he can't. He just loves to strike out. I can't tell you why. Like you can't can't get enough of it. He's like sees strikeouts and he's like awooga. He he's a very interesting case because he'll make those running over the shoulder catches that are near impossible, and then on a routine play where he's throwing the ball to second base, he'll throw it into right field. That did happen today. It both did. Of those both, both of those things happened today. That double play that he made on that, like, because Verdugo smoked the hell out of that ball, and he yeah. like made oh, an yeah. easy, like, no look double play, like, yeah, yeah Ver- Verdugo day, was just like, like, did you really do that? Like, exactly. Yeah, and he's at the just end of laughing. The day. Like, I ain't even mad. Even mm-hmm. if he is a defensive savant, like no one's paying like twenty three million dollars yeah. for a defensive wizard. Like, even like Anderson Simmons at his prime wasn't making near that. No, Anderson Simmons was never making anything resembling that, nor should he. Like, you need to be able to to hit the ball. Yeah, like it's, it's kind of, people like you know like to pretend that defense and offense are like even. Uh, they're not yeah. in terms of no, value. Not. It's not. It's not, not close. You can find like lower skilled guys who can defend. You can't. It's it's tougher to find hitters. It just is. It's a fact. <laughs> Yeah, so this game ended up being four to one. Uh, Cassis <gasps> hit the only home run for the Red Sox. He also had a double in the game. So very encouraging. Very hopefully, hopefully both off, off the of lefties. lefties. Yeah, huge, huge, especially going into this next series against Tampa, where I think they have three lefties slated to be starters against us. So I do not can... want to see Cassis against McClanahan. Like, don't. Oh. That's the one you can sit him against. 
Yeah, like, Justin Turner plays first base that game. Let's go I, ahead. Just, it uh, looks like Cassius has changed his approach. He's being a bit more aggressive. It seems like he's just a bit unsure of like, he's just a bit too obsessed with like, uh, you know, doing the uh, the right things, like avoiding the wrong thing. Like, you know, draw out long at bats, get on base and not focus enough on actually, you know, hitting the ball. Cause there was too many like instances within the first, these first two series where, there was like a fastball right over the heart of the plate after he had obtained a nice hitters count and just like watched it go by him. And it's just like, you, no, you yeah. can't do that. Can't do that, man. You got to be hammer on that. Yeah. So something about Cassis that I just following him the minors that I noticed at least was that it usually takes him about two to three months to really get used to the level he's at. And then he goes on a tear and I don't know what's going to happen with him in the majors. It's obviously everything's different at that point. But he seems like the kind of guy that doesn't get too down and out like when he when he screws up. I think that he kind of treats things as a learning experience, and there really isn't a better trait for a baseball player. Um, yeah. You really can't get down on yourself. But I think you're right that, um, you know, the pitchers will adjust to you if they know that you're going to not swing at the first pitch ever. So you have to start ambushing those. I and mean, it was really that double he hit was right on the first pitch. Um I think it was, was I think it was on a breaking ball too. Um, so I, you know, and then that home run he pulled it, but he like, oh my god, he like just knocked the crap out he of that, that was, thing. That was that was a big run too. They were up three one, and that made it. You know what I mean? Like those. That was it. Was important that he did that. They, it was a good game. Um, I was very encouraged by it. People need to be patient, like with young younger players, with these prospect yeah. kind of guys, because it, even like the super talented ones, like when you look at uh, like Julio Rodriguez his first, first month of the season versus every other month where he was a virtual almost MVP candidate, one of the best center fielders in the game. There was a vi- like a gigantic improvement. It was the same deal with Adley. I think it was the first month and a half. He was okay, you know, slightly below average at bat, and then a god. So yeah. it's – Well, there's the famous one with um, with Pedroia here. In oh, obvious. Uh, yeah, he's the most obvious yeah. in terms of Red Sox comparables. Um, Freddie Freeman had a great rookie year, but he had a call-up in September of the year before that where he was terrible. Um so, you know, like these guys just, they need to, they need to be able to fail because it's like the whole thing, like failure and experience are the best teachers and yes, they just need that opportunity. So I, you know, a guy like Cassis not doing well, a guy like somebody like a pitcher coming up, like Ray Bale last year struggling a little bit. I'm fine with that. You know, like you need to have enough veterans that they're not depending on those guys, but they're not going to get better unless they get like the shit kicked out of them a few times. Absolutely. And uh, let's move on because we are our we we spent a lot of time talking about these games. Let's let's go ahead and move into the the big stick of the series. And this is something that we kind of debated coming into this. There was two guys that really stood out as the two guys that could carry this big stick for the, the series. Hogdale, who do you have as your big stick? My big stick is the big man on campus, the 300 plus million dollar man, Raphael Devers. Like this guy just keeps impressing me more and more, man. Like it is a absolute joy to watch him play baseball. And like low key, it seems like he's taken another step forward on his defense. Like he's yeah. starting to look effortless out there. Uh, he's, he's following the uh, almost like verbatim, like, uh, like kind of like the Adrian Beltre career arc where it's like, like really good hitter. And then like, okay. at Defense and suddenly it's like, he makes that leap defensively. It's like, okay, this is like one of the best third basemen in the league. I yeah. love this guy. Love this guy. It's absolute joy watching him play. 
Yeah, and he's on pace for something like uh, 68 home runs or something right now. Yeah. So. It's going to be crazy when he hits. Uh, he exceeds that, 75. Ed, who do you have as the uh, big stick of the series? This was a tough one, um, and it was go. It was between Devers and Duvall. Um, but even before the Duvall injury, I think he had, you know, his game today wasn't quite as good. Devers didn't have a great offensive game either, but um, I think it's very hard to look at three home runs, one of them being a grand slam, one of them being a pretty key double, and say it's not Devers. So I go, uh, I also go Mr. Uh, Rafi Devers, who uh, does not seem to be distracted by um, being a gazillionaire now. Yeah, some players, they take a step back because the pressure gets to them, unfazed by pressure. Like, just love this guy. <laughs> love him. You know, I, I I told you guys, I believe it was yesterday, that today's game was going to really determine who was going to be my pick for this, and it was between those two. And they had virtually identical stat lines today. They both hit a hit. They both struck out. So the only difference in their stat line is who left more runners in on base, who who left them stranded, and Devers had two left on base, and Duvall had four. So that being said, I'm going with Devers. A unanimous win for Rafi Devers. Yeah, I think is that the first unanimous. No, we we no, had Duvall unanimous was unanimous last week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Duvall was awesome. Uh, we we have not had a unanimous son of a pitch though. And that's going to be something that I don't think we have this week as well. Ed, who do you have for your son of a pitch? Oh, this is a tough one because, um, you know, Corey Kluber finally had a good game. Nick Pavetta had finally had a good game. So we had a couple of guys this week that actually, you know, pitched reasonably well. But uh, I had to go with the man who pitched today, and that's Cutter Crawford. He was just – he had the best start of any uh, any Red Sox pitcher. Um the really, you know, there were some good relievers this week too. Zach Kelly threw a couple good innings. Um, Schreiber looked like himself again, but I, I, I'm giving it to Cutter Crawford for me. Okay, Cutter Crawford gets a vote. Hogdale, uh, Cutter was definitely impressive. Uh, maybe it's just me being in awe of like like seeing us have a real closer again. But man, I love seeing Kenley out there, man. Uh, but he gave me so much stress today, Hogdale. Yeah, true. But you know, that's that, 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 adversity. You know, breeds <laughs> you know <laughs> a, a stronger man. And you know that adversity made the Red Sox a stronger baseball team. So when you think about it, Kenley is just he, he's the answer. And uh. I just it's so nice having a closer, dude. God, it is it's so nice having a real closer. Having a bullpen, dude. It's insane. You know, I think with Kenley Jansen, one of the things that that yeah, he did kind of give us the roller coaster heart attack feeling. But if you remember that first base runner that he gave up was on the Adam Duvall injury play. So if Duvall secures that catch and and Jansen never has to go into the stretch we might be talking about a completely different inning. It might've been a clean frame and he was out of it in, you know, six to eight more pitches after that, that pop-up. Could be. Didn't happen though. It didn't happen. So we did have kind of the roller coaster. He, <laughs> he, uh, he, like, we start, he's got a little bit wild, but then settled back in and got the, the last two hitters that he faced out and got out of it without giving up a run. And he was dominant uh, in the first game of the series. Dominant in the first game. Uh, for me, I am also going with Kenley Jansen. He recorded two saves in the series, did not give up any runs in the series. 
uh, only gave up two hits in the series. So, all right. Jansen, like, and, and honestly, I'm going to go ahead and say this. Until Jansen starts blowing saves, I think he might be my son of a pitch every week, much to, to Ryan Brady's uh, delight because we actually have a closer on this team that can get saves when put in the ballgame. I pre- I can appreciate that. It's just, you know, it's, he threw two innings this week, Cutter Crawford threw five innings, you know, in a tie game. So it's hard, you know, it's hard for me. Like I, I will respect the majority, but I will say that I disagree with you guys. And, and I mean, Cutter had a fantastic outing. Like, don't don't take anything away from him. I said earlier, I think he earned another start. But I do think coming in in the ninth and slamming the door on a team, and then also coming in in the ninth and overcoming the emotional adversity of losing a teammate and the actual on base traffic and not giving up a run, not wavering under that pressure that speaks volumes about the level of closer that we have on this team. Well, you heard it here first. We've got, um, it's, it's Raffy Devers taking his first, uh, big stick and Kenley Jansen remaining the king of the hill with his, uh, second son of a pitch in a row. However, neither have been unanimous. Neither have been unanimous. He he's, he's had to win by majority vote, but Kenley Jansen back to back son of a pitch. All right, now the time of the episode that everybody loves. And this is also the time of the episode where we have to plug chips crackers, where we don't settle for average crackers. We reach for the chips. And this is Ed's Trustometer. Ed, take it away. Yeah, so some developments with the Trustometer. Um, you know, we had, compared to last week, not a ton of movement, but there was some inner movement uh, throughout the week. Um, I moved up Ryan Brazier from eight to seven very briefly after he had a uh, scoreless eighth inning against the Tigers. And then he immediately gave up like three runs. So he's back at number eight. Um, We talked a lot about Brazier, so we don't really need to do much more there. I still, you know, relievers are volatile. I could see him being cut like within the next week. I could see him going on like a 20 inning scoreless streak. It's just the nature of the beast. But, um, you know, do I trust him? Um, absolutely not. So he's number eight. Uh, number seven, it's still Caleb Ort. Um, You know, looking at the numbers, the big thing, and I mentioned this briefly before, the big thing that surprised me about Ort is that he hasn't walked anybody yet. He actually has the least walks on the team of, like, any, any reliever. So uh, last year that was a little bit of a problem for him. He's, um, you know, like, he's just an interesting pitcher. I think he's 32. Um, a lot of people would say that that's pretty old for a guy that's on his second year. Um, and it is, but that doesn't mean you should underestimate his stuff because when he's firing on all cylinders, he's hard to hit. We've talked about the gas before. He's got a decent slider. Um, and it seems like he's like, as Hogdale mentioned before, he's turned the velocity down a little bit. I would, I, I got to think to um, uh, boost his control. And that, that's worked pretty well. Uh, Next one we've got is um, uh, Richard Blair. Not really a lot to talk about there. He's the only lefty. He throws strikes, induces bad contact. You know, like, I like him in the sixth inning, seventh inning, if it's some tough lefties. I don't, like, I don't really have any strong feelings towards him. Uh, Then we've got Zach Kelly, who was as high as fourth and didn't actually do anything to lose that um, himself. I just thought that um, John Shriver 
good enough to move up a little bit and also just how the bullpen use has been. I kind of see how the team's using him. And Kelly seems to be getting a lot. He actually leads the um, bullpen in innings pitched, at least prior to today. I think Winkowski's one over him now, but he's thrown uh, six and two-thirds innings. He's walked five guys, struck out five guys. He's only allowed one and run to score. Um, you know, he's been... It's funny because the games that he like gives up hits, he doesn't walk anybody. And the games that he walks people, he doesn't really give up any hits. So it ends up kind of balancing out to a guy that is pitching, you know, when they're down three or four runs. Not They're not really using him to protect leads, but, you know, he's getting accustomed to pitching in the majors and he's doing a good job of what he's been doing. And that's really the most you could ask for with a reliever is just to not have people talking about you, um, especially when you're not Literally. a reliever. Um, so then we've got John Shriver who, um, you know, if you look at the, you know, if you want to look at the numbers, he really, other than his ERA, he's gotten hit like pretty, uh, decently, but there was some velocity increase today and he looked really good this outing. Um, so I felt comfortable bringing him back to the number four spot. They've also been tasking him with protecting leads in the sixth inning, um, of games that they're winning. So He's seeing like a little bit more leverage rolls. Those are those can be a little harder to pitch in. Um, so I'm pretty comfortable with him as the number four guy. Uh, then we had a surprise with somebody bursting up two spots that you can agree with, you can disagree with. And number three is Chris Martin, who has just been the least sexy man on the team, but it doesn't matter because he hasn't given up any runs. He is boring, he doesn't strike a lot of guys out, but you know what he does? He gets out and he doesn't let a lot of guys on base. So you know what? And, That's what you want like, to set up, man. Debate. Like you said, as a reliever, not talking about him is probably a good thing. Yep. Um, and then we've got where you guys are probably going to disagree with me, uh, but I've got Kenley Jansen as the number two guy for the trust meter, and it's entirely because of uh, there being the bases loaded today, and um, I didn't like that. So I moved him back a spot uh, because I, I was very frustrated with uh, me having to be stressed out in this game, even though I'm sure it was worse for them with their uh, teammate being down. I got a little annoyed, and I also thought, though, that the guy at the number one spot, he has been objectively the best pitcher for them. I, I don't think – like, can you argue that there has been a better pitcher on the Red Sox staff than Josh Winkowski? I don't no. know if he, yeah, I mean, he's been amazing. He's he's, he's been good. Winkowski is like Garrett Whitlock from 2021, at least in this short sample size. I feel great with him coming on. His fastball has, uh, you know, he used to miss bats because, uh, like, he wasn't missing bats. He was just making contact because, as a starter, his fastball didn't have the velo on it to really do that. Now he's hitting. He's got a new. He's got a new slider with a new shape, and his fastball's hitting like 98 miles an hour. Like. How are you gonna? You, you can air it out for an inning or two. How are you gonna beat that? That's your that's your guy. Good so, trust yeah. here this week, hundred percent. Yeah, it's a little different, and you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised to say like you know, Winkowski gives up a couple runs. Jansen has some saves that don't um, you know increase my blood pressure significantly, and then we flip some guys around. But you know, yeah, there are some the there's always a lot of fluctuation the first month or so, and it's interesting seeing where this is taking shape. But um, I think Winkowski, I think that there's absolutely no way he can lose his spot in the bullpen at this point. He's just been so reliable. It's just such a good sign that like 
John Schreiber is getting the 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 high leverage sixth inning moments. That's how good a spot the bullpen is in right now. Like you got a guy like him in the sixth inning. I mean, who was like the who was the inning seniors last year? You have like Jerry Shamia coming in and like Oh no. I don't know. There were like a bunch of guys that just kinda I don't know, like 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 remember when Zach Kelly came up and it was like, Oh my god, this is our setup guy now? Like we have somebody that can actually don't get me wrong, Zach Kelly's fine, but like it's a good it's just like he's part of a good pen now, so he's not gonna he doesn't have to be like coming in and like meaningful innings. It's the the, the bullpen last year was such a shambles. It's <laughs> I mean, even like going back to 2021, it really wasn't that good. Like looking back at like Hansel Robles getting like high leverage innings in like the ALCS, like my I will God. not. He did that man did not give up a run that entire September, Hogdale. I no, he will, was a I god. Will fight, I will fight for um, 2021 Hansel Robles supremacy. 2022, there's a reason he's not in the majors anymore. It's insane, man. It, like the the the. Uh... I'm just happy that it's rebuilt. It's nice that Whitlock isn't forced into the bullpen by default because of just lack of anyone being there. <laughs> I mean, would you feel uncomfortable without Hauk in the pen? Like, if they were like, ah, let's just let Hauk be a starter for a bit more, you'd probably be like, yeah, let's just roll with the pen we have. Yeah, it's definitely, it'd be fine. It's just like, it's going to be awesome when they move Pauk to the pen and it'll be a Yankees-esque Super Bowl pen. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Uh, any predictions on the upcoming series against Tampa Bay? Why don't you go first on this one, Brandon? You always, you're always so polite. And let us talk first. Why don't you give us yours first? Uh, Tampa loses their first game in the season and split with the Red Sox. It's a four game series. It's a four, oh shit! Okay. Yeah, I didn't realize it's a four game series. Yeah, yeah, I, I could definitely, I, I definitely could see a split happening. Uh, because taking three out of four is a tough ask, especially with how the Rays are playing right now. People focus too much on like strength of competition in baseball when that really doesn't matter too much on a game-to-day basis, game-to-game basis most of the time. I, the, it's Plus, the Rays are shellacking these teams. like They are beating the hell out of them. So I think the Red Sox you know, take two of four. I think it'll be a, a very good series and uh, – uh, not looking forward to seeing Shane McClanahan. I can tell you that. Not looking forward to that at all. Red Sox are in the midst of a 19 game and 19 day stretch. Okay. Um, That's tough. That is very tough. This is the first part of that stretch. No wonder they gave um, Yoshi a day off. That makes sense now. Yeah. I it. I gotta go. I think. I don't know. I think I, I don't think they're gonna get swept. Um. I just, it, this is such a hard team to kind of, I'm not, I, I still don't really know what this Red Sox team is, if that makes sense. Um, and I don't know how they're going to adjust to if Duvall's missing time. But I also feel good about Whitlock coming back. I feel good about the pitching. I don't know. Like, I guess I'll have to go with, like, they split also, but that's just because I really... I can see them taking three out of four. I can see them losing three out of four. I don't think they're going to sweep. I don't think they're going to get swept. So I'm just going to say they split. Yep. Hey, look so at I us think... being bored and agreeing with each other. Yeah, no. I was going to say we have absolutely no uh, distinction or no uh, uh, difference of opinion on that. So a split it will be. I need to get Quito in here to join me in fighting against uh, relief pitcher supremacy. Like, I need to be just like, no, starters are more valuable. And Quito will be like, I agree. I am smart. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Yes. 
Nope. Oh Closers God. for the win. I'll I'll just get Ryan Brady on a sound bite. Just just celebrating the fact that we have a closer. All right, guys. Uh, that's all that we have for you today. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please make sure you like, subscribe, and follow us all over the place on YouTube, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, your mom's house, wherever we are. Uh, just make sure that uh, you also go out and you you swipe right to Hogdale on Tinder. And we'll see you next week.